Our reading this week comes from the book of 1 John, third chapter. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. I was listening this week to um, a series on NPR. It's called Unsung Heroes. Has anyone heard this before? Um, it's really good, um, and it's just these random little stories told first person by the person who's calling in or sitting down to record or whatever of these moments that have happened in their lives that someone did something, changed them forever and completely, and they have no idea who they are. Um, it's really fascinating. There's lots of really interesting stories, and the one that I heard this week was this woman who um, was in New York City. She was training for a marathon. Um, and she one morning was walking to work and her hip was bothering her and she slipped on some ice and fell. And it's New York City. I mean, you can picture like a busy sidewalk in New York at rush hour, you know, commuting time. So everyone sort of gathers around her and just stares at her laying on the sidewalk. One uh, woman leans down and just says, I got this and sort of like disperses the gawkers to go back to their busy lives to get to work on time. Um, and the, the woman who fell, she's recounting the story and she said she was like bundled up with a scarf and a, a thick, heavy coat. It was winter. Couldn't really see who it was. And she sort of pulled her scarf down and, and said, you know, I'm here to help. I'm here for you. So she um, tells her, that's nice, but now I got to go get another coffee. I'm late for work. Thank you for stopping. You know, I appreciate it. Um, and then she realized she couldn't stand up. Um, so the woman who had stopped said, I'm not going anywhere. Let me help you get a cab. You need to go to the hospital. Flags down a cab, helps her up, gets her in the back of the cab. And the woman who had fallen said, thank you so much. I know that you're probably busy and you're already really late for work and that you don't, you don't need to go with me. Thank you for everything you've done. I really appreciate it. Um, and the woman says, are you kidding me? Like, scooch over. I'm getting in the cab with you. Like, I'm not sending you off to the emergency room in the back of a cab by yourself. Like, you need someone to go with you. And so she gets in and she rides um, with her to the, the ER. The um, person that had fallen said, thank God that she was there because she wouldn't even have known what to tell the cabbie, where to go, and where she needed to, to end up. Um, and so they get to the emergency room and she says, thank you so much. Like, keep the cab, go to work. I'm sure you're really busy. You have other things to do. And she recounted that in her head, she was thinking, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I can't even walk. 
but this is a stranger who just stopped on the street to help her. I mean, this is not someone you can count on to go the extra mile because they're related to you or they have to or whatever reason. And so uh, the woman that had stopped for her said, no, of course, I'm going to like go get you a wheelchair. And she brings the wheelchair out to the cab and she helps her get into the wheelchair and she wheels her into the ER and she says, you're in pain and uh, by yourself, like I'll help you fill out the intake form. Like it's the least I can do at this point. I'm already here. I mean, you can sort of see that that whole process unfold step by step. And the whole time the woman who had fallen was thinking, thank you so much. Uh, just go on about your day. I'm sure I'm inconveniencing you, but please don't leave me. Um, and she didn't. She didn't leave until after she had been admitted and they had taken her back to go see a doctor. And, and then finally the woman leaves. And this is where we pick up with our story. She's recounting my unsung hero because she's rushed back into the emergency room and they say, oh, yeah, your hip was not hurting you. You had a stress fracture from the marathon training. And when you fell, you fractured your hip um, in multiple places. Blood clots were forming and your life is on the line. We need to rush you into surgery immediately. Um, if you had not ended up right here within a certain period of time, this could have gone a very, very different direction. Um, so emergency surgery and long story short, she's sitting down in this booth or calling in or being interviewed, whatever. And she says, I just finished a marathon. You know, she had like been told she'd never run again and she had persevered and she had made it through this whole moment and now was sitting down and reflecting and thinking about all of the choices the stranger had made that had so deeply and completely impacted the rest of her life. And I guarantee you that the person all bundled up on the side of the sidewalk, seeing this person slip and fall, who stopped and, and gave up their morning to help her get to where she needed to go, was not thinking that every choice I make right now is going to impact the rest of her life. She was being a good person. She was tapping into something that was inside of her that, that informed her about the way that people should treat one another, and that's what she lived out, and that's how all of this unfolded. And we've been thinking for weeks now about what informs our choices. How do we make choices in a world where so many things seem debilitating or there is no right answer or a clear path to, to go down? And we've been thinking about how our values and our faith and what we believe informs the choices that we make. But then, this week, we land with this reading in 1 John and this reminder that every single choice we make is impacted by and influences others. All of them. Everything. We don't live this life in isolation or alone. You skip breakfast and you think you're just affecting yourself, but then you're grumpy and all your coworkers and colleagues have to suffer for the rest of the morning until you get to lunch. Um, it means so many of those little tiny things that we think we're just figuring out or deciding for ourselves, they shape us and form us. So then when we encounter others or find ourselves in situations where we just need to like, rely on instinct or our guts to carry us through, well, all of those things that we have figured out and come to and worked so hard to decide in the past, they all weigh in. They all inform us. And John, in 1 John, we think it's the same John as the Gospel of John. This is old stuff. I mean, who really knows, but it seems like the same kind of writing and the same kind of trajectory, but it's later. I and mean, it's later because the Gospel was written and the Christian community is sort of rallying around what God is doing in their midst and what Jesus was doing and, and the cross and trying to come to terms with all these things. And then fast forward another couple decades. Have you ever felt like, you had it all sort of figured out and then your life totally changed <laughs> or something pushed against your values or your beliefs. Like you had lined it all up and then this 
moment or a series of little tiny things, whatever it was, just sort of pressed in just enough that you started to question some of the things that you thought were so sure and certain. All of us, I think, I mean, all the time this happens, we, we evolve, we change, we grow. Um, and the community of Christians that John had been writing his gospel to at this point had evolved and changed and grown, and they had been persecuted, and they had been confronted with the, the evils of empire, and they had had all of the, the persecution from the Romans and from other religious groups, and they had been trying to figure out what it meant to be Christians and to follow this path of, of love that Jesus had set forth, this laying down of his life of love so that we might also lay down a life of love. They had tried that, and it was hard and difficult, and they They were having a lot of difficulty figuring out the right way to go forward, what choice to make. And then John writes this little tiny letter, 1 John. And it's not like a lot of the other readings that we think of in the the New Testament that have a point or a purpose beyond encouragement. I mean, just bare bones, you've got this, you're not alone, we are all in this together. Um, and more than that, the, the writer reminds us that in our connectedness to each other, the reality that all of our collaboration, our working together, all those choices that we make that influence so many things for so many people all of the time, that in all of that also resides God. We don't navigate this life trying to figure things out for ourselves in isolation, making choices that only affect us. Everything we do impacts and is influenced by others, and we can rest assured as we navigate all of those tough decisions that God is present right in the middle of it, helping to shape and guide those moments that we find ourselves facing each and every minute of each and every day. And then we have a week like this week where the Middle East is in flames, and we have competing narratives and, and so many people trying still, I don't really understand like morally, ethically how this can be the case, to score points off of a conflict that is intractable and should break our hearts first and foremost without any asterisks or caveats. And we have moments like this where we realize that, that it's so easy to sink back into our own relative comfort and say, oh, our, our choices and decisions don't really impact or influence that. And then we have these reminders in scripture that all that we do is deeply connected, influenced by and affects others. I saw this meme and I'm sure the person that shared it meant nothing by it, but it basically said, grab everything you can, they're coming for us next. It was a picture of Hamas. And I just have to say like unequivocally and clearly, that is not the case. We do not live in a war zone. We have no idea the kind of suffering and struggling that the peoples in Israel and Palestine have been engaged in for longer than we have been aware of the conflicts. I mean, when we make a choice that says, double down, protect ourselves, and don't first choose empathy, compassion, to allow our hearts to break, well, I mean, we've already stepped back from this reality that everything we do affects other people. And it's really hard to know how to move forward in that. How do we care? How do we engage in something that seems so intractable and so far away? How do we resist the urge to say, gather your own and protect yourself, when we realize that we are never safe because we are part of a community that first needs to be safe before we as an individual can fit into that safety? 
I mean, we see, I think, all of these images and fake images, all of these narratives and fake narratives. We see all of these politicians trying to score this point or that point off the backs of of families and tragedy and true evil and violence. I mean, shame on anyone who doesn't realize that their quick soundbite to a camera about taking a side about a particular moment in time is not deeply and intimately connected to the horrible violence that is suffered uh, by families that seem so far away and yet we all know are also very close, are connected to us in ways that we never knew or appreciated until they find themselves under this kind of stress and strain I mean, I've been listening to stories all week from, from families that are, that are from here, that are trapped in the Gaza Strip and trying to get away. We are connected to um, lots of um, faith communities and, and imams and rabbis that I, I see continually joining together to pray and saying that this is not about, about side-taking or, or point-scoring. This is about breaking our hearts together for this horrible terrorism and violence, the, the death of kids and innocent people. I mean, there's no reason that we should think that we are separate from that heartbreak or that tragedy. There is all the reason to think that the ways that we are able to care and empathize here deeply now impact and influence in whatever small or big ways the unfolding of all of these things that happen in this world. I mean, part of why I think we feel so disabled and part of why the the hearers of 1 John need this encouragement, this reminder, is that we feel like we have no control or influence. We feel like we have no idea where to begin or how to start. And then John writes to the hearers, whoever will hear, I mean, you are made in God's image. Your hearts abide in God's heart. We know that God's heart breaks. We know that God longs for peace. We know that God is willing to give up his own son's life so that we might know love, that we might be reconciled. I mean, surely that should inspire us to find some empathy and compassion, some nuance to find ourselves broken open in the midst, not trying to figure out which side we should take or how we should fall or how we're going to somehow leverage or use this situation for our own gain. I mean, for shame. As we see families that are affected so deeply by this intractable violence that has been perpetuated for longer than most of us have even been aware of its existence, may we also recognize that we are deeply connected to them that our choices, our actions affect them and they affect us. And it's hard to hear because I think sometimes we want to say, let's just keep ourselves safe and steer clear and stay away. But we know that God is a God of all people, that God is a God of a tenacious love that is not going to stop caring or empathizing with all those affected in such immediate and horrific ways by the violence that that seems to just not be able to to stop or or be set aside even for a moment. And we, we know that God wades right into the middle of all of that suffering and that grief and reminds us that that is part of our our power, our purpose as Christians too, is to wade right into the middle of all of that grief and loss, that terror and that violence, to wade in and say, no, no, no. 
Our God is a God of love that is willing to be in this place so that we can communicate more clearly the value and worth of individuals. To say this is not about how we score another point or, or make another statement or put out another treatise. It is all about how we recognize the humanity and others and continue to recognize that our choices make a difference. They matter. I don't know where to begin with all that. I think for me, um, a lot of it is just that need for information. You ever find yourself in that spot? You just want to know more. Um, I've been reading a lot this week and, and listening to friends and allowing people whose perspectives I disagree with to also come into my head because I think often when we feel like a situation is beyond our grasp, it's typical to just like find our tribe and rally together and feel really certain and confident. I don't think anyone should feel certain or confident in moments like this. <laughs> None of us should feel certain or confident. If only I was in charge and I had my way, well, all things would be, no, they wouldn't. If only we all agreed on the same things and did them in a certain particular manner, then everything would be, no. That is not what it means to be uh, dependent and, and interesting and unique and, and diverse group of people who God has made connected to one another in God's good creation. Instead, we're reminded by First John that we are to wade into all of the ways that we are connected to people in this world and recognize that we influence and impact them, that what we do and think matters. It influences others. It influences ourself and our interactions later than when we are trying to figure out how we are to be in this world. We have spent some time recognizing that our perspective is not the only one or the only one that matters. That God is able to somehow work in the midst of all of our difference to pull us closer, not farther apart, to help us find safety and not fear because we are able to recognize the humanity and the trust that we are able to have in one another to bumble our way forward to figure out how to continue to care and engage, to not step back from all of the scary things in this world that are intractable and seeming to go on forever, but instead to recognize that we are made in God's image. And if God can crack all of this open with a cross, then surely we can somehow in our small and large decisions in this world play some kind of role in helping us once again see all of our shared humanity, to not lose our empathy, to recognize that all of this is more than images and news stories, that in our own lives we have so many things that try to pit us against the other, to say make choices that, that are going to be good for you at the expense of, who cares about other people, and instead see the fallacy, the, the call of the gospel in the middle of that, to recognize that we all <laughs> All of us are made in God's image, called to, to crack through all of those things that try to, to tear that apart or say that that is not true, to recognize that everything we do, every choice we make is in collaboration with others, is influenced by and impacts those, are, excuse me, those around us. It's really hard because I just want to fix everything or I want to feel like I'm in control or I want to just scream at the inhumanity of the situations that we see in this world, the so many and numerous, I don't even want to start to name things because we can picture them. I mean, all of those moments where we just say, what are we thinking? 
How have things gotten to this place? How do we continue to perpetuate all of our own stereotypes and ignorance and grief and, and lots again and again to new generations? I mean, may we step back and allow God to fill us once again with a true love and empathy for God's beautiful creation. The story of the cross and Jesus is God's willingness to wade even into the midst of our most violent impulses, our nastiest, most horrible instincts, to try to squash and put down, to segment and separate and segregate others. All of those times where we think that we are right and we just need to maintain our power and control, God weighs right into the middle of that and shows what it looks like to empathize and share love to allow love to break us open, to allow love to change our minds, to allow love to let us hear narratives and stories in new ways, to allow love to help us create new connections and relationships with people that we might have never spoken to or asked how they are impacted or feel about these things in the past. I mean, may we all be willing to stop and kneel down and say, I'm not going anywhere until you're in a safe place. I, I know I'm late for work, and it doesn't matter because you need someone with you right now. I mean, may we do that for one another. May we do that in our connections to people halfway across the world. May we recognize that all that we do is impacted by and influences others and approach that work with a, a holy purpose uh, as a beautiful gift each and every day. Amen?